Welcome to the Mind Body Breakthroughs Podcast, where we bring you amazing guests on the cutting edge of science, health, and business each week to share strategies you can use to get the breakthrough that you are looking for in your life. I am your host, Chris Donahue, and with me is my co-host, Dr. Nevada Gray. We're so glad that you're joining us today, and we'd like to invite you to join our free private Facebook community, Mind Body Breakthroughs. The views expressed on the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast are the opinions of the hosts and guests and are not to be taken as medical advice, as the hosts and guests do not provide medical care. Information provided is for educational purposes only. You should consult your medical provider in relation to your personal health and prior to making any changes in your diet or fitness. You can't fake a great steak. You can enjoy a steakhouse experience a few nights a year or every night with your Auto Wild Grill. Sear in amazing flavor and moisture with 1,500 degrees of grilling perfection. A perfect steakhouse crust every time on your time. Bring your own steak and let Otto take care of the rest. Make your house the great steakhouse in your neighborhood for your family and friends. Dr. Stephen Hussey is a chiropractor and functional medicine practitioner. He attained both his doctorate of chiropractic and Master's in Human Nutrition and Functional Medicine from the University of Western States in Portland, Oregon. He is the author of two books on health, The Health Evolution, Why Understanding Evolution is the Key to Vibrant Health, and The Heart, Our Most Medically Misunderstood Organ. Dr. Hussey guides clients, or health participants, as he likes to call them, from around the world back to health by using the latest research and health-attaining strategies. In his downtime, he likes to be outdoors, playing sports, reading, writing, and spending time with his wife and their pets. Dr. Stephen Hussey, welcome back to the program. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We're doing awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, it's always great to talk to you guys. Yeah, thank you. People have really been enjoying our heart health series with you, rethinking all things heart and heart disease. So what do you have for us today? Today, I want to talk about the heart and chiropractic, which people may think that sounds funny um, because chiropractors treat pain, right? Or they treat the spine. Um, But I want to talk a little bit about chiropractic, and then I want to um, show people how it's more than just a treatment of pain. Uh, and also how it can help prevent uh, heart attacks. Um, so first of all, chiropractic, you know, it's, I guess the profession itself is only about 100 years old. Um, they say that it started by a guy named D.D. Palmer um, in 1895. Uh, but the history of manipulation as far as, you know, adjusting of the spine or manipulation in some way is, is pretty ancient. I mean, there's, um, you know, recordings of it and, and uh, documentation of it, you know, in ancient uh, societies. Uh, so it's been around for a long time. It's just that D.D. Palmer kind of put this name on it and, um, and it became like a, a profession, I guess. And even when I lived in Ireland, there was these people that, that weren't chiropractors, but they were, they were just as fine. They called them bone setters, which I thought was funny. 
um, but they've been around for for a long time, or this this therapy has been around for a long time. Um, but you know, today chiropractors, you know, had have to have a, a four year degree or at least the equivalent, um, you know, credits of a four year degree um, before they go to chiropractic school. Um, and then even there, it's it's uh, it's a medical professional degree, so it's you know we get all the basic science and anatomy and physiology and radiology and and um, pathology and cell biology and all the stuff that that you get in medical school. It's just that we go more you know neuromusculoskeletal diagnosis, and in in medical school you get more uh, pharmacology. Um, and and I know that, and I know that to be true because in Portland, where I went to school, that we had we had four uh, of the like medical professional programs there. Um, there was a chiropractic school, there was Oregon Health Science University, the medical school, uh, there was a naturopathic college, National College of Naturopathic Medicine, and then the Oriental Medicine School. And so we would get together. There was a group of students that would get together from each school um, each each quarter, each semester, and we'd talk about what we were learning. And it was it was pretty cool to compare the educations. But as far as chiropractic goes, people think that um, it's only good for like, you know, back pain, neck pain, and headaches, and that's you know pretty much what the research shows that it's very effective at, and so that's very true. Um, but it's not really, in my eyes, it's not really the treatment of pain. We're we're treating the nervous system, um, the central nervous system specifically, but really the whole nervous system. And so what's interesting is that by having an effect on the nervous system, yes, we can decrease pain. But by um, affecting the nervous system, we also have an effect on all kinds of other things. And so that's where I like to draw the attention to um, the effect that chiropractic can have on the whole body, but specifically the organs. Um, so I maybe like four or five years ago, like one of the first continuing education conferences I went to as a chiropractor, um, I, I listened to um, a lady, um, a chiropractor named Lisa Bloom, and she outlined this uh, this kind of beautiful explanation of how chiropractic can help with um, more like visceral or more like chronic conditions. Um, and she showed that, you know, as a chiropractor, I'm looking for optimizing the joint motion of the spine. I'm finding areas of the spine that don't move very well and are impeding the nervous system communication, and I get them moving. Um, and I create motion in those joints. And you know, she outlined beautifully how creating motion in those joints is actually going to um, decrease sympathetic activity um, in the nervous system, which is the, you know, fight or flight system of the nervous system. And it's going to increase parasympathetic. And you can actually do this by adjusting certain levels of the spine. So like the sympathetic chain or the sympathetic aspect of the, of the nervous system is kind of in the mid spine, thoracic spine. So if you're focusing on adjusting that area, you're going to have, you know, a bigger effect on the organs, but you may also stimulate the sympathetic nervous system a little bit. Whereas if you treat the neck and the lower back, that's um, uh, more of the parasympathetic activation. So the more uh, rest and digest calming aspect of the nervous system. And so you can kind of create balance in the nervous system based on what this person needs by adjusting different areas of the spine, or you could even find that this area of the spine is really locked up and then compare that with their symptoms. Um, so like they're having maybe uh, symptoms of uh, digestive issues um, or, um, um, uh, you know, just uh, symptoms of stress and that kind of thing. And you can, you can see that there's um, overactivation or overstimulation of the mid spine. 
um, and you want to adjust above and below that. So it's really interesting how chiropractic um, is looked at one way as far as the treatment for pain, and that's what you can bill, you know, for as far as insurance goes, but you can also have a wide or, or, uh, massive effect on the nervous system. And so when I looked into this, I, I expected, you know, if people have listened to our other podcasts, they know that I think, um, and I have the theory that heart attacks are caused by not being fat adapted, um, oxidative stress, uh, and an autonomic nervous system imbalance. And when I looked into this, I, I, I thought that, you know, I would definitely find that chiropractic affects the nervous system. So it would help us with the autonomic nervous system imbalance for sure. Um, and I thought that I was pretty sure that I would uh, find that it would help with oxidative stress because when you're affecting the nervous system, you're going to affect detoxification and things like that. Um, but I was very shocked to find studies, actual studies, that also showed that when you um, chiropractic care or spinal manipulation of some sort actually decreases glucose utilization in, in the areas that I found where one was in the brain and one was in skeletal muscle, um, which was just insane to me that adjusting the spine could actually um, uh, decrease the amount of glucose used by your body and help us you know, get more into a fat-burning state. Um, but then also there's studies that show that chiropractic manipulation upregulates glutathione and superoxide dismutase which are going to help with oxidative stress. And then there is many, many, many studies showing that chiropractic manipulation or chiropractic treatment uh, of the spine uh, creates or, or um, stimulates or gives us a better, increases heart rate variability um, by decreasing sympathetic activity and increasing parasympathetic activity. So all three imbalances that drive heart attacks um, are can be um, at least in some way um, it rebalanced um, or helped to rebalance by chiropractic care. And I thought that was just pretty fascinating. So that's, that's my, my spiel. Awesome. Yeah, that is, that is really fascinating. Uh, I've had the privilege over the years as a massage therapist and other capacities working at chiro chiropractic clinics with some of the top chiropractors in the country. And I, I, I don't think people, you know, understand enough the, the mind body connection and the role that, uh, having good nerve supply really affects everything. I mean, all, the organs are quote unquote dumb. They don't do anything on their own. It's, it's this, this connection. So I wonder if you could speak, you know, a little more to the types of connections that specifically go to the heart, uh, you know, central nervous system wise, uh, the parasympathetic, like you talked about, peripheral nerves, uh, the vagus nerve involvement. If you just talk a little bit more to that. Yeah. So specifically to the heart, <clears throat> I mean, there's there's a lot. Of, I mean, people think that the brain is controlling everything and that it's just the kind of master like uh, controller of the body and that's sending all these signals, telling the rest of the body what to do. But actually, um, especially in the gut, but also in the heart. Uh, there's plenty of research that shows that, you know, the, those two organs, um, are sending just as many signals or more signals to the brain as the brain is sending to the, to the, um, to those organs. And so it's kind of this two way street. Um, and, you know, based on, I think, I think that the beauty of that is that those two organs, you know, the gut is kind of sensing, it's kind of an external environment inside our body, sensing the external environment, telling our brain the situation so that the brain can have the appropriate response. And I feel like the heart is almost like our 
emotional uh, interpreter. It's telling how we feel. And so that signal is getting relayed to the brain as well to tell our brain what emotional state we're in. And so the nerve uh, or the nerve that goes you know, from the brain to the organs and vice versa is the vagus nerve. And um, as far as the heart goes, it was it was thought at least, you know, I, you know, I learned in, in school that, you know, that the brain is sending the the heartbeat signal via the SA node via the vagus nerve or it goes to the SA node of the heart. And that's what tells it to um, to beat. It gives it the signal to contract um, every time our heart beats. Um, but actually, there's they found that the um, the nerve um that nerve actually is um, distributed throughout the whole, all the muscles of the heart, um, the entire muscle, not just this SA node that tells it what to do. Um, and so to me, that makes it even more important that, you know, this nerve um, connection that we have to the entire organ um, is not just so when we do have a, you know, an imbalanced stress response or an imbalanced conduction of that signal to the heart, it's going to affect the whole organ and it can affect any part of the organ, not just the beat uh, or not just, you know, create like an arrhythmia or anything like that. It can actually um, disrupt the uh, emotional signaling from the heart to the brain. Um, and I think that that's, you know, like we've talked about in another podcast, a driver of heart attacks. I just wanted to follow up with a, a question on that. Um, many of my followers on my Instagram account and on my social media accounts have some form of back pain, uh, spinal cord injury, peripheral nerve injury, or a neurodegenerative condition. And I was just wondering if you could speak to those patients and where there is an imbalance with neuronal conduction uh, due to whether it's an injury or a degenerative process going on, the impact that that can have on the heart and strategies that these patients may be able to take to protect their heart. Definitely. I did, I did a little looking on this, not too much, but I did some, and I, I did find studies that showed that people with um, spinal cord injuries um, or nervous system injuries in general uh, had decreased heart rate variability um, consistently. Uh, and, and to me, that's just an interference with conduction or normal signaling um, of the nervous system. And it did seem to matter. There was one study that said it did seem to matter um, where the lesion was, where it happened, which makes sense, you know, if it's upper, lower motor neuron um, and, and how that's going to affect things, especially the, the area of the spinal cord, because, you know, the brainstem is where the vagus nerve comes out of. Um, and so that's going to go down to the heart. But as far as the... Um, uh, conduction back to the brain, you know, when, when, when sympathetic, um, uh, signals go into the spinal cord, they can, they can kind of jump and go up like three or four levels and then go out somewhere else different. So it's, it, it makes sense, um, to, that it would depend on where the lesion happened on if, if this is going to affect or how, how much it would affect, um, the heart rate variability. But the, the fact that, you know, these people have depressed heart rate variability um, just goes to show that these injuries don't just affect the structure, you know, the nervous system structure, but they affect our ability to, um, uh, to affect our body's ability to, to interpret that stress response um, and tell your body if it's in a safe or threatening environment. And so the things that these people need to focus on, A, are the nutrients needed to, to heal that, um, 
the structure. So we're talking about the good fats. We're talking about the B vitamins, um, which you know we find in in good amounts in animal foods. Um, and then also we gotta you know we gotta stimulate heart rate variability. We gotta retrain the nervous system and that autonomic nervous system response. So we're talking about all the things that I think people inherently know but they just don't realize the effect that it's having and that's you know loving relationships uh and that's uh um contact with nature um it's things like like singing to at the top of your lungs you know and and joy and and even like all the little biohacks like heat and cold therapy and um yeah all all these different things i mean there's so many of them uh that that are are good for rebalancing our stress response yoga and meditation like those are the things that are kind of givens but then the things that we do in our lives that that make us feel good you know like those are not just things that make you feel good emotionally temporarily you're training your nervous system to be in a less stressed state and you're training your nervous system to be in a uh, that you're in a safe space and that's what's really important when you've lost any heart rate variability whether it's through a spinal cord injury or any kind of neurologic injury or just because you live a very stressed life. Like these are the things that we have to focus on to get us back into um, balance in our nervous system. That's awesome. You know, one of the things that I love about you, Doc, is just your very holistic approach to things. I think in Western medicine, we tend to be very, uh, you know, machine oriented. It's very mechanical. It's mm. the human. The human body is a machine. It's got parts. Parts break down. Fix parts where it's so much more complicated than that. And, uh, you know, it's like the ways that the, that the body communicates that the brain to the organs, like you said, the organs to the brain, you know, electrical signals. And we've talked a lot about like grounding and, you know, all of, all of that, uh, chemical signals, energetic signals, getting into some of the, the Chinese medicine, meridians, things like that. And even light, uh, biophotons, you know, it's like there's all of this communication going on and a breakdown in any of it, a subluxation in any of it is going to cause disease, dysfunction. And I wonder if you can just talk a little more to that concept. Yeah, I, I think that you're, I mean, that's spot on communication um, and, and the communication not only um, like on a gross level, like, you know, gross anatomy kind of thing, like, like a subluxation is, you know, impairing the communication from the brain to the body, like not just that type of, you know, uh, communication, but also, like you mentioned, biophotons, like, on a very cellular level, I mean, there's, there's very good evidence that cells communicate to each other via light, and that it was never kind of seen before, because nobody looked for it. You know, nobody looked to see how these cells were communicating via light. Uh, we were just looking at all these biochemical reactions and neurotransmitters and those types of things, you know. And and so any disruption in this, in any of these communications, you know, we, may not, we may not even know them all yet. Um, it's going to, like you said, create dis-ease because if things can't communicate, um, they they start to act like, um, like they're on their own and they start to perform, you know, you know, biochemical operations or who knows what other operations on their own and not like a part of a community. And I think that I think that this is something that we can take a we can step back and take a uh, a bird's eye view of because I think these days we see a lot of um, 
we see a lot of dysfunction as a as a society when individuals are removed from it or when they feel isolated like we are the most connected we've ever been on a global scale because of technology yet i feel like people um more and more often feel isolated even though we have all the technology to communicate um because there's not these true relationships and i think we can take that as a society level and see what happens when these people feel isolated unfortunately sometimes they tend to lash out at the the very um the very people that make them part of a community and i think that we see that as a on a cellular level too when cells and things or areas of the body tend uh, or lose the ability to communicate with each other they start to to act almost selfishly for themselves and that's that's a that causes or that results in being a detriment to the community as a whole like the other cells around it um and i i i think that that's kind of a beautiful thing you know as above so below kind of thing uh that we that we see and so there's so much i think work that needs to be done to discover all these communication um uh pathways of the body i mean just recently um you know they discovered that you know plant toxins were transported via nerves not just through the blood and things like that so it's just like how else are things communicating and traveling through the body that we don't even know about um and all we can do right now is just you know you know look to our evolutionary past and live more in line with that because that's the default that's what we know works and until we discover these other things we won't know exactly what to do or how um how they're um how everything's working together so that's that's really interesting and mind blowing so i just blew my own mind you know <laughs> yes absolutely especially the plant toxins travel in the nerves i mm. i looked at those studies and it's very interesting uh what lectins can do in the body um when they're where they're not supposed to be so thank you so much uh, for this episode. We really enjoyed it. We know our listeners are. And stay tuned, guys, for our next episode with Dr. Hussey. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today, Mind Body Breakthrough. Chris and I truly appreciate each and every one of you. Be sure to subscribe and tell a friend and to join us in our free Mind Body Breakthrough Facebook community where you can start peeling away the layers of everything that's not you so you can be you.